0: Hi, I'm Mission Lakiani, founder of Mind Valley, the school for human transformation. You're listening to the Mind Valley podcast, where we'll be bringing you the greatest teachers and thought leaders on the planet to discuss the world's most powerful ideas and personal growth for mind, body, spirit, and work. In this training on consciousness engineering, I'm bringing you Mike Dooley. So many of you might know Mike Dooley as the author of amazing books. He's been a multiple New York Times bestseller. I personally know him as a friend, NSD, entrepreneur, and founder behind one of the most inspirational websites out there, Notes from the Universe. The website's address is tut.com. Check it out when you get a chance. What Mike does is he has a website where every day he sends his subscribers a single inspirational paragraph. That's it, just a single paragraph. But his ideas are so mind-blowing, so beautiful, that many people open this up and it's one of these emails that absolutely makes their day. Personally, Mike Dooley is the guy I know here at Mind Valley. we quote most. He is a beautiful artist when it comes to words, but all of this comes from Mike's deep inner wisdom in who we are, why we are here, and how we are connected with Source Energy. In this training, Mike Dooley is gonna share with you a really beautiful framework So I had Mike Dooley come here at our Valley office a couple of years ago and do a 10-hour training for the public and for my team. And it was one of the most beautiful, inspirational days we have ever had. What we're gonna share in this training is the essence of that day, where Mike is gonna give you a particular methodology to think about your dreams, your visions, those things that you wanna bring into the world, and how to reframe things in a certain way so that they come to you faster. Some might call this manifesting, some might call this the power of intention. You'll also notice similarities to my own work, such as the three most important questions, but this is some powerful stuff. And I know many people who have studied this idea from Mike, applied it in their lives, and within months seen incredible changes and shifts in how life unfolded for them. So let's get started with Mike Billy. Keani, and this is the Mind Valley Podcast. Hi, and welcome to this session on consciousness engineering. I'm with Mike Dooley. And Mike, you're officially now the first trainer, speaker, wisdom disher that we've brought on twice on consciousness engineering. But that's because I really love, absolutely love Mike's work. Mike Dooley runs an incredible online community called tut.com. If you're not on his newsletter, sign up. Because what is so special about Mike Dooley and what he does is he has this online community called Notes from the Universe. And every single day, you get a little message. It's about maybe this long, you read it in 30 seconds, but it's a message that he writes to people as if it's advice coming to them from the universe. And I'm such a fan of this, like everyone at Mind Valley is a fan of this. This is the number one email newsletter, other than my own, that I open every single day and I continuously save mike's little messages mike is the most quoted speaker and author in my life in other words i quote mike more than anyone else so you know how incredible this man is but the reason we're having this conversation this particular training mike and for all of you listening is because in my book the code to an extraordinary mind there's a particular chapter where i challenge western goal setting and i say that if many of us grew up in say the western world right which is most of the world right now whether you live in china or singapore the us you're growing up with an industrial education system that pretty much came from the evolution of the old british education system and in that system you learn that there's a certain path that we have to go through life you have to get grades you have to get a university degree you have to get a career you got to check the box to own your house own your car get married raise kids save up for retirement The thing is, many of these are not proper goals. They are means goals rather than end goals. And in my chapter, I talk about why it's so important to not be setting these as goals, but instead really asking yourself, why do I want that car? Why do I want that house? And to try to get to the feeling that brings you, and then to make that feeling your end goal. When you do that, you escape this trap that so many people fall into where they end up getting what they want but not what they need. They end up with that ideal car, with that ideal spouse, with those kids, with that job, only to realize that they are miserable, that it's not really what they want. Now, I've been there. When I was around 37 or 38 years old, I guess I hit my midlife crisis. I had the company, I had the car, I had the family, but I wasn't happy. I was miserable. There were days when I woke up thinking, why am I doing what I want to do? Do I want to sell this company? There were even days when I wanted to quit Valley. The thing is, I had gotten exactly what I'd put down on my list, but it wasn't what I needed. I didn't have that feeling. And this is why this conversation is so important. It's about making sure you don't end up in that means goal strap. You don't end up getting something that you think you want, only to realize that happiness is still elusive. It's still not there for you. Mike, you speak about this better than anyone I know.
1: So I'd love to help you share your wisdom on this. Well, thanks for the opportunity, Vishen. As you know, for as long as I've been doing this professionally and even earlier than that personally, the number one thing I have to share with any audience, anyone with an earshot, is the fact that our thoughts become the things and events of our lives. This is like the original cause to all effects. We are the original cause to all effects. And with a little bit of thought, we quickly come to realize that when we're talking about our thoughts in terms of creating change, transformation, you know, doing anything that gets us out of the house, we're talking about end results. We're talking about goals. And I like to use the metaphor of GPS navigation. There's two things that have to happen in your GPS-guided car. Number one, you have to tell the system where you want to go, the goal, the destination, the end result. And number two, you have to put your car in gear, which unleashes the magic of the universe once we're rolling. Because we have ordained, literally, miracles with our end results. We are supernatural beings. There's always a how, and the divine knows how. The divine is just a metaphor for referring to our greater selves. But our life doesn't change in the moment we change our thoughts. In fact, nothing changes until we get out into the world. And so putting our car in gear is the call that we all make to take baby steps, to become a lightning rod, to serendipities, so-called coincidences, accidents, there are none of which, because we live in this kind of holographic world of smoke and mirrors, it's all illusions, it's like a nighttime dream, but we hide that from ourselves for the sheer joy and adventure of the process of being immersed into these jungles of time and space. So with this two-step process, end result, car and gear, suddenly the universe is pressing out to us all that our heart desires. It's a done deal. Just look at the people who have achieved as you dream of achieving. They got nothing on you. They're not more saintly. They're not better educated. Generally, they're not more popular or better looking. We're all made of the same stuff, literally the same stuff. The only thing that differentiates one person to another are the thoughts they think. So with the two-step process, the first step being, The end result, the destination, that's got to be defined wisely in a way that we're not getting our wires crossed, that we're not contradicting ourselves, that we're not limiting divine intelligence from reaching us. You know, innumerable books have spoken on baby steps, taking action, being out there. And I talk on that because there's a place for putting a spiritual perspective on the fundamental of showing up. But almost nobody talks about the profound importance of clearly defining what it is we want in terms of the end. And I like to use the term end result, I know you do too, rather than goal so much or destination because end result implies that we're not going to be thinking about the house. That's not our job. Our brains were designed to interpret the illusions so that we could pass judgment. Do we like this? Do we like that? How are our relationships going? Do we feel fulfillment? Is there enough money to pay the bills or to live the life of our wildest dreams? And whenever we don't like some of these pictures, change the vision, change the end result in your mind. You do not then have to figure out, okay, I need to meet so-and-so and go here and figure that out. I mean. Brains were not designed to do that. When you consider that there are 7 billion co-creators on planet Earth, each with very clear trajectories and probabilities of where they're going, it quickly becomes apparent that you need divine intelligence in order for there to be these serendipities that lead each of us to equally fulfilling manifestations based on our thoughts. So, to speak on the importance of... Defining end results wisely, this is where my talks, my workshops, as you well know, begin to share a little table, a very simple table that's comprised of six columns, and very quickly it becomes apparent, without even seeing the table, that there's a left side, the thought side, the emotion side, and then there's the thing side, the right-hand side. And because we live on this plane of manifestation, where we think thoughts that then become things, it becomes a no-brainer to realize that if you want transformation in your life and there is this flow of energy from thoughts, emotions, which is just turbocharged thoughts, to things and circumstances, which are just moving things, that you need to start on the left side of the matrix, the thought side of the matrix, the emotion side of the matrix, which will then force all the details, the right people at the right time, in the right circumstances. Oh my gosh, can you believe who I sat next to on the plane or on the bus, and they told me about this trade show, or they lent me a book, and my life has taken off. What a coincidence. It's like, no, you had an inner vision of I'm not settling for this anymore. I want more joy. I want to live at a higher orbit. And therefore, the right person, the right detail begin showing up in our lives without us having to think, it's not what you know, it's who you know, and how am I going to meet Vision or how am I going to meet Rhonda Byrne, or Jack Canfield, or Mike Dooley? It's like we end up carrying the weight of the world on our shoulders. It becomes debilitating, it becomes heartbreaking, and we invariably slip through the thin ice, and we wonder, how come we're not better manifestors? It's because we've been micromanaging on the right side, on the thing side of the matrix, Things don't one day become thoughts. It doesn't ever work in reverse. That's why you win the lottery or you create the empire and you're wondering, why aren't I feeling more joy? And it's because you've got the equation backwards. And that's the best case scenario. The other side of the equation is you don't build the empire. You don't have the car. You don't have the friends, the social life. And then how do you find happiness? And it becomes a dire situation and you feel totally powerless. So let me give you an example, okay, of how what Mike
0: is talking about, I applied in my life, and it created a massive result. So for the longest time, I had this goal, and the goal was read a book a week, right? Read a book a week, and that's a noble goal. I wanted to learn, I wanted to grow it, was read a book a week. And I tried, and I was doing it for a while, but then as life got busy, as I ended up being the parents of two kids, reading a book a week became difficult. There would be mornings when I'd wake up and I want to read, but then I'm conflicted, I have limited time before I gotta go take the kids down to the school bus, and I also wanna work out. So all of a sudden, this whole read a book a week thing didn't become a goal, it almost felt like punishment. Yeah. Then I asked myself, why do I want to read a book a week? And I realized, well, I want to read a book a week. The reason for that is that I want to learn and grow consistently. So here's what I did, right? I changed that goal, I removed read a book a week because that was a means goal, and I added the end goal. I am always learning and growing. Notice in the present tense, I am always learning and growing. And here's what happened next, okay? I was no longer telling the universe how I wanted to learn and grow. I was no longer telling the universe, make me read a book a week, make me that disciplined man who reads a book a week. I was opening it up. And a whole new model for learning and growing entered my life. And that is this series of interviews that we're doing right now. I ended up starting this program that you're watching right now, Consciousness Engineering, which lets me actually sit down and talk face-to-face with some of the world's greatest minds, like you, like Peter Diamandis. And guess what? In each of these conversations, because they're so intimate, I am actually learning and growing faster than reading a book because it's three-dimensional. It's in the real world. It's like the universe pointed me to a whole new model where I could learn and grow. But the best part is, Not only did I get that I'm always learning and growing, but it became a whole app. And we have now seven to 10,000 people every month learning and growing with me as I do these calls. Mm -hmm. But you see, this would never have happened if I hadn't unattached myself from the house, the cursed house, read a book a week, and instead attach myself to that end result. I am always learning and growing. So that's a practical example of how shifting to the end, to the end result, and not worrying about the cursed house, to use your terminology, can have such a profound
1: impact on your life. This is the perfect example, and I want to throw something at you here. So, you went from a book a week to learn and grow. Yes. Okay. That encompasses and broadens the spectrum of an innumerable number of ways that you could achieve the same subject even better than a book, because once you pick a book, if it's not the right one, that's a dead week. Yeah. Okay, so why do you want to learn and grow? So, I want
0: to learn and grow because I feel, as I'm learning and growing, it is leading me towards better models of happiness. But also as I'm
1: learning and growing, I get to be a better teacher for my students. That's awesome. And what I want to do here is play a little game. Why do you want to be a better teacher and role model, better father, better human being, more of service? Eventually, we're going to take that to I happiness. You want to be happy. Right. Happiness, as I teach in The Matrix, is the ultimate end result because everything in this table of mine is to the right of it and it's all necessary to be happy. So the only way someone can manifest true joy, I mean, whoo happy, is if all of the cylinders in their life are firing, they're learning, they're growing, they've got great partnerships, they're a role model, they're a amazing service to humanity. They've got abundance. There's no such thing, and I know we could split hairs on this, but you know, I'm really happy, but I'm broke, I'm sick, I've got these big open wounds on my face, no one will go out with me, I live in a tent and it's leaking and I'm starving, but I'm happy. It's like, oh, come on, you're not happy, not happy like you chose to be here in the jungles of time and space to be. To be rocking as happy as you can be and as we all deserve to be, means that you're going to have all the cylinders firing. But as I teach, happiness, particularly in this day and age, we've become so detached to it, we almost don't even know how to define it, is so out there. And it's like, you know, what is it supposed to mean? What should it mean? And we start to overthink it. So that's why I advocate not only happiness, but other emotions, and not only other emotions, but any big picture quality in your life, like a rocking career. No, a rocking career implies being a great teacher, implies being wise, implies being of service, implies even more things than we could name right here in an hour. That's a rocking career. And that's
0: why in this matrix, in the final column on the left-hand side, It is happiness. Totally. So everything that we are going in our goal setting should ultimately lead for happiness. But let's look at two columns before happiness. Explain that.
1: Well, that column is called the Fantastic Five. Yet, a quick glance at the Matrix reveals that the Fantastic Five column is entirely dependent on the illusions, anything defined by time, space, matter, and other people. But it's the color green, meaning go, because there's nothing unspiritual about having a materially abundant life with lots of friends and laughter. We live in a spiritual realm. There's nothing unspiritual about anything in any of our experiences. Unfortunately, this is not the way the teachings have gone. So because happiness can be kind of vague, and because very typically you and I and everyone watching this will have certain priorities in their life. You know, maybe it's like, I want to soar career-wise. I want fulfillment. I want to be of greater service. I want to have abundance, so I don't have to worry about losing my home or not being able to give my kids the proper education. I want to lose weight. I want to be healthier, live pain-free. We know happiness is it. It totally rocks. But of course, being the otters, the playful creatures of the universe, We all have priorities. That's what makes us different at any different given point in our life. So the matrix encourages people not to only focus on happiness, although to always be mindfully aware of it and to be doing something about it, but to go ahead and decide where your priorities are now. They're gonna change, but is it abundance now? And then, With that as a priority, you're gonna visualize details to get you excited about the vagueness of abundance, to get you excited about the vagueness of a big, rocking, joyful life, but the details won't be your end result anymore. They're just gonna be the fodder the icing on the cake to give you a glimpse of the kind of stuff that's gonna be in your life, and it doesn't have to be just material stuff. You know, it works for absolutely everything, love, joy, clarity, enlightenment. You want to be a better visualizer, a better manifester? You know, these thoughts becoming things will take you there, completing your life, making you all the more joyful. And the final point there is the irony here Vishen. Vision. We're going through some kind of new gyrations to arrive at happiness and a fuller understanding of life. But it's taking us a little bit back into old school. Generally, we're told, you know, happiness is what really matters. I remember my parents saying, you know, we don't really care what you do when you grow up as long as you're happy, which I never really fully believed, but I got the sentiment. We get it. Happiness is, you know, the biggest deal there is. But they told us it was the case for the wrong reason. There's like happiness is all that matters because material things don't. That was wrong, man. We are material things, we matter in that sense as much as we matter in a spiritual sense. Happiness, let me rephrase it, is the ultimate end result in part because material things matter so much. I mean, as it was said by Wallace Wattles in The Science of Getting Rich, I've never gotten past the first chapter because I get so excited about it, I'm doing happy dancing, I'm on another orbit. But in that first chapter, he lays out a perspective on abundance, which I find absolutely thrilling. You cannot be, Wallace Waddell says, all that you're capable of being if you're not rich, if you're not financially rich. Now, we can argue that from here to the end of time, and we can certainly build a case where you can have a full and awesome life without currency, But the general sentiment there cannot be denied that if you want to experience other cultures, other cuisines, other realms of growth, music, art, you're gonna want to be playing in the world, dancing life's dance, exchanging your services for the services of others, and we use money as a mark of stored value, of stored appreciation. In that light, money is certainly not the root of all evil. It is like rocket fuel, and it's not something that we want without exchange. We want exchange, but it then makes possible a full, rocking, joyful life with all of our senses, you know, tantalized, teased, and and used. So you're saying, ultimately,
0: it's all about happiness right ultimately and you never want to forget that but you can go back a few columns
1: totally and i think we should because we have such unique characters all of us with different inclinations you know we go through phases where we want to learn and learn we want we go through phases where we want to play and play and express and pretend you know our priorities are changing so it's all about happiness but have your priorities and if some of them are in the material world rock on because there's nothing unspiritual about the material world and it will bring you back to the ethereal world of joy happiness and all good things so mike you've spoken about the fantastic five
0: you've spoken about how we want to move have our end goals move closer and closer towards happiness can you explain the concept of attach 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 and detach detach detach
1: oh well you know i think wherever you are right now we are on board But, you know, I give you about 24 hours and you're going to start thinking of contradictions. You know, this is invariably going to happen because great book after great book after great book has told us, you know, never attach to the outcome. That's why your heart is broken. Enjoy who you already are and where you already are as if to settle for less. But, you know, we also sensed that there was great value in this advice of never attaching to the outcome but when you learn about the matrix and you hear me speak about it all day long I'm like look you know you begin with the end result it's one of two steps in GPS navigation end result take action sounds like I'm saying the exact opposite of never attached to the outcome sounds like I'm saying you must declare your end result and attach 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 and I am but It's to the audience that I've spoken to that you've reached with regard to the importance of general, emotionally-based end results as being supreme, because now we have a different set of rules. Now we're insistent on our happiness, and we're going to settle for nothing less, and we're insistent on our health, or our appearance, or creative, fulfilling work, or friends and laughter. and. My gosh, it's our job to know where our priority areas are and to settle for absolutely nothing less. But now consider where are most people's outcomes, most people's end results. They're in the minutia. They're on the right-hand side of the matrix. They think they have to be in the right place and micromanage every nanosecond of their life because they think once they square all those little bells and whistles away, man, oh man, will their life take off. So they're operating under an entirely different set of rules because their end results are in the micromanagement realm, which is where virtually all people heretofore have been. So the old adage makes sense for them, but no longer for us. And that is physical type one, physical type two, and physical type three. Physical type one, two, and three is just where I illustrate column after column after column that we can, and there's room for, it's a palette, if you will, of what to choose your end results from, get more and more and more detailed. And the last column, the red column, physical type three end results, are when we start out hinging our joy, our happiness, our success, or whatever it is our heart desires, on the thoughts and decisions of other people. These are examples of worst case cursed hows, meaning, hows that we think our dreams are gonna come true, how we will ultimately be happy. Divine intelligence knows how. Remember GPS. As soon as you give it the end result, GPS systems will calculate every possible road you could go down. It'll factor in speed limits, yields, traffic conditions, detours, and instantaneously know the shortest, quickest, happiest way for you to get there. It'll always work, and then we follow those directions. It works until we say, I'm gonna go north on A1A, and I'm gonna find the love of my life. It's like, there are innumerable road combinations in the United States of America, for example, and the universe knows where your Romeo or Juliet is. But when you say, no, I'm gonna go north on A1A because I saw the secret 30 times in 30 days, and so I'm gonna find her there because the universe loves me, you have eliminated all other roads in the entire nation as a possibility for the universe to connect you with your dream soulmate, Romeo or Juliet, those are the cursed hows. And we don't want to attach, attach, attach to any of the hows, the details, because they're all unimportant, even while they rock and they're glamorous, sexy, fun and cool, nor specific people's behavior. Those are what we never want to detach to anymore. And if you're playing the matrix wisely, which is synonymous with if you have big, bold, emotional end results, you'll automatically free yourself from trying to micromanage who does what, when and where. So if you were just telling yourself, trying to use your thoughts create reality
0: mechanism to try to make a particular stock you invested in go up, that would be attaching yourself too much to something that's gonna be dependent on so many other people, the entire company, the marketplace, the people working for that company. So you wanna ask yourself, why do I want this stock to go up? Well, obviously because of to make a certain amount of money. Now you're in column two but that's still not it's a dollar an end amount. result. It's a dollar amount. So why do you want that dollar amount? Why? And that's maybe because you want to attain a certain wealth level. You'll see wealth level is in column three. And again, why do you want that wealth level? To feel abundant. Now you're getting there. So now you're in the green area. That's what you want to get attached to. But you can go further. You can say, why do I want to feel abundant? Well, so I can have greater spirituality, more confidence, more creativity. Now you're in column two. And why do you want that? creativity, confidence, so I can be happy. So really it's about moving towards that end result, which is always happiness. But I wanna add one caveat. Now this does not mean, this does not mean that during your meditation or whatever practice you do, you do not ever visualize specific things. It's okay to occasionally visualize a project going well or a dream car you might have. I'm currently visualizing a particular type of home I'd love to live in and a project that I want to go well. But here's the difference. It's maybe 20 to 30% of my total visualization. Most of what I'm visualizing are these end results. It's me feeling spiritual, me being consistently surrounded by love, me being a tolerant being, me having compassion. That's what is 70% of my visualization. The initial project, I may only do it for a week till the project is done. And even the house, when I'm visualizing that new house I want for my family, I don't just see that house. I don't even see a particular house because that's boxing me in. What I'm seeing is my family has a space. I decide the country and the city that space wants to be in, but that's about it. All I see is the space. I don't even visualize the number of bedrooms or the pool. I'm letting all of that just come to me. Ultimately, I'm seeing that space and the feeling I get from the space and the feeling my children and my spouse have in that space. So you see, it's more towards that end result.
1: Completely, and complimentary to that approach, because I'll mix it up and swish it around, you could even, from time to time, go 100% into the details, because the details rock, just not as your end results. So if you're visualizing details, and you're walking on your travertine floor, and it's nice and cold on a hot summer day, and you see your gas range, and you're looking out the window, and you see the pool, and the kids playing, and whatever else, that would thrill you, and it's creating this joy in you. And then, you're not saying it has to be travertine, but for that visualization, it's travertine. Travertine or better? See, now we can tell the universe, I'd love a travertine floor, but we're not insisting. So we're leaving room for better. And so in this case, you might even get exactly what you were putting out there, with a pool beyond the kitchen window. The details are totally awesome but the whole experience of visualizing or putting vision boards together, which are totally awesome, is about you getting into a sense of like excited joy, like this is the kind of life I'm gonna be living. These are the kind of cars, toys, friends, destinations, organizations that I'm gonna be assisting. This is what my life is gonna look like, or better. And in a way, everything that we're saying, vision, is old school visualization, the secret, if you simply add, or better because now there's not attachment. It really boils down to are you insisting on specific people, details, hows? And if you're not, then you're creating an emotional joy through visualization and you're leaving the universe to connect the dots in perhaps ways that are faster than you even know to speculate upon. And a good way is to use the
0: technique that you ran with me. Why do I want this? Yeah, so totally. why do you want that car? Well so I can get from point A to B in this amazing machine and enjoy driving. Well, why do you want to get from point A to B in this amazing machine and enjoy driving? Because, you know, and then you try to get to the next level. For that one, it might be, because I want to feel confident. Okay, well then aim straight for confidence rather than the car, right? So as you do this, you start really understanding what it is that you want and you don't end up with stuff that you ultimately do not need or stuff that's not gonna bring out the best
1: feelings in you. Yeah. Absolutely perfect. And this whole conversation right now is about getting clear on end results and what really matters to you. It's the very initial stage, like we're just sitting in our car, our life is completely unchanged, and we're deciding on the destination for a GPS to take us there. Once you've done this, once you know that happiness is it, and you know where your priorities are, Then you can visualize every morning the details with emotion, and every single day thereafter, show up, take action, show up, take action. It truly is not a very taxing or cerebral process. Let it be easy. It's as easy as you're feeling right now. Don't be thinking, I gotta measure the value and what's the emotional tone, and did I see the details and remember to feel joy? One of my favorite things to teach, vision as you know well know, is that we are truly the gladiators of the universe. We are joy beings. We are pegged to succeed. We chose to be here. I really believe that we existed eternally before this lifetime began. And for us to therefore be here, coming from there, means we had to have chosen it. And we only would have chosen this life, however contradictory that might seem, in corners of the world right now, that's a whole nother tangent we only would have chosen it if it was gonna be awesome, if we had the ability to rock it. We may have chosen a difficult stage to be born onto, but it would be because we wanted to kind of increase our orbit, face these new lions and tigers and bears and become more amazing than we've ever experienced before. And therefore, it's as if our positive thoughts are at least 10,000 times more powerful than our negative thoughts. So there's so much license and latitude and freedom. If you just try to follow these ideas, just your attempt, you're gonna hit a home run. Even if you're doing it in doubt, even if you're like, oh, am I up to it and I've never been that positive and I haven't seen the success in my life yet that I've been pursuing for decades, you're on a new track. It is this simple and you've got a co-pilot, divine intelligence, AKA your greater self. So just you know, step up to the plate. You will be surrounded by legions in the unseen. You are supported. You are absolutely adored. There is no 50-50 about chances of your success. You're going to do it. You're going to make it. That's what this is all about. Thank you, Mike. Thank you, Vision.
0: If you really enjoyed this conversation with Mike, I really recommend his books. My favorite one is Infinite Possibilities, but Mike has got many, many books out there, all published from Hay House. Go ahead and Google them. And if you want to get his notes from the universe and so many people rave about it, when you go to the website tut.com, you'll be shocked at the number of even celebrity endorsements that you're getting from famous people like Jason Mraz, the singer. Go ahead and sign up because what those emails do is they help remind you who you really are and they help remind you of, in Mike's terms, the infinite possibilities available to you in the world today. Thank you. If you like the Mind Valley Podcast,